Welcome back to Globe Thoughting. Another great week. This week we have a very special guest. So special. He is my fiance. We are not actually engaged, but I am a self-starter. Jordan Hill. Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Hey. Thank you for traveling all the way from the left side of the couch to the right side of the couch to do this with me. Yeah, it was uh, very worthwhile. Is this your first time on a podcast? No. Okay, so you're a regular around these things. Um, not on comedy podcasts. More on boring, tech-focused ones. Okay, so Jordan is not in entertainment. I know. Swoon. When I first met him, he was like, he was really funny, but he didn't want to be a comedian. And I was like, so you just, so you don't have any desire. You're not going to take an improv class. You don't want to do sketch. And he was just like, no, I'm in tech and like, I'm a business guy. And I, I was only like, want to do improv because you hate it. I will break up with you if you start doing improv. I want you to know that. It will be the end of us, okay? Cheat on me, steal my money, you know, whatever. Don't do improv. I can't, I cannot get past that. Promise me right now. Look in my eyes and tell me you'll never do it. Yes. And. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Okay, welcome to the podcast, Jordan. Jordan, tell us a little bit about what you do. I'm the head of product at an early stage startup called Hivewatch. It's a physical security startup, so we make software for people uh, to keep their like companies and like organizations safe. Great job. That was the most brief I've heard you do that. It's incredible. Yes. Okay, so after he told me on the first date that he didn't want to be a comedian, the second thing he was like, yeah, I, I want to keep people safe. And I was like, you want to keep me safe? I'm soaked. It was very hot. Um, Jordan is a, is the love of my life. The best thing that ever happened to me. I'm obsessed with him in every way. He's so funny. He's so smart. He's so brilliant. Um, but, you know, also, he is a traveler. Not only is he a traveler, he comes from an immigrant family. Amazing. So, not only are you on this pod because, you know, you didn't just sleep your way onto this pod. You have the credits to be here. So, I just want everyone to know, like, yes, he did fuck the boss, but... He's also a world traveler, global thought. I so. love you too, but it just, it, it, you didn't give me a window to say it. So everyone on the record heard that I said that. I think they know <laughs> you love me. Okay. All right. So let's start with some opening questions. Have you ever listened to my podcast? Do you know about these opening questions? I know some of them and you emailed them to me. The fact that you don't listen to my podcast is so hurtful. I listen to it. It's so hurtful because it's like, I can't even get my fucking boyfriend to listen to my podcast, and it's so mean. But honestly, I kind of get it, because, like, I you do. listen to me talk all day long, and I'm just like, wah, 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 wah. comedy this, comedy that. And I understand if you don't want to listen to me talk Well, I'm the, I'm the inspiration for, like, everything, so it's, like, I feel like it's really, like... You're too inside self, it's, it's, it's too inside it, No, baseball? it's, like, it's self-indulging, you know? It's, like, masturbatory. Like, oh, all this stuff that's coming out that's, like, my greatness through you. Oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Idiot. Okay, I love you. It's fine. You don't have to listen to my podcast, but, like, maybe just try. Um, Okay, so let's get to the opening questions. Now, the first opening question I ask every guest, and you're not special, so you're going to get the regular old guest treatment, is what is your worst diarrhea story while traveling? Uh, 
Well, I think this is like, this is an easy one because it's a group one. Okay. Like weird, weird opener for that. <laughs> but like, it's a story that, it's not something that I remember often, but many other people remind me, which is uh, me and my family, we were in Israel one summer and we were driving to a lot. And, like, a lot's are really far away. It, it's a ways away. So, like, my grandparents lived in Nasrati Lead. It's, like, in the northern side. A lot is literally in the very, very, very bottom side. You can, like, see Jordan from a lot. Yeah, right? yeah. It's yeah. right on the Red Sea. It's, like, uh, Hua Beach City. Um, and so a part of that trip, like, you have to go through the Negev Desert. And that's, like, two, three hours of just straight desert. And uh, my mom's best friend, uh, her husband... Ba- re bought an old ambulance and he reconverted it. Kobe, you met him, mm-hmm. and he converted it into a trailer. It was like the yuppie, like sprinter, like travel Instagram thing before Instagram was even real. Uh, he did it first. It looked, it was like zero frills. It was two two front seats and a mattress in the back. That was it. But Your whole family was in this? No, 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 oh. no. They were driving that. We were driving in a small sedan with too much luggage. Okay. Um, but so we were driving for like three hours and like we're in like an hour and a half and I'm like, oh man, I'm like, there's this like, there's this chocolate milk in Israel that I love so much. It's like the bagged chocolate milk and I would just drink way too much of it. And so I drank so much of it and then we're just like in the middle of the <laughs> desert and <laughs> I had to... I had to like I, had to, I was like all right we had to stop and I was like we'll be there in like an hour and a half like can you hold it I was like no nah, we I can I got to get out right now so we're in the middle of the desert it's like me and there's like two camels like right over there <laughs> and I just had to take this awful desert shit like, like on the ground oh yeah like full squat did you have any middle to of the desert uh, I think we had something oh my god ew <laughs> <laughs> and my sister and my brother won't not won't they won't let me forget it yeah i wouldn't either you but that's so cool that's like so oh Oh, desert 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 camel poo that's cool exotic shits are fun you know like my most exotic shit was on top of the himalayas you know it's just altitude sickness. No, but it was just like truly like, I was like, wow, this is so elite. What oh, I had to do poo. that too. I had to poop on the side. I hiked a 14er in Colorado and I had to, I got elevation sickness, which is just height diarrhea. Oh no. It was cool. It was like after the summit. So it was kind of like success. Like a release. Yeah. Or it, 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 was, it was like stamping your name on something. Except way grosser. So gross. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for your vulnerability. Not everybody, like, you know, some comedians can't even tell their poop joke, their poop stories. So I want you to know that was true vulnerability and I appreciate that. Okay. My second opening question is what's the, (laughs) better not be us, what's the most epic fight you've gotten into while traveling? Well, I, I don't get into fights while traveling. You don't? No. Okay. I I just don't think that's ever happened. I don't think that you like, don't think that you and and your your never family, never with a family never, never with significant other like never. We just never have ever You're gotten just invited. Mr. Chill guy. I will say for for people. Okay, I will say <laughs> <laughs> one of the things I love most about Jordan is that he is scary brilliant, like scary smart. Like I actually think he might be one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. But he also has like this like stoner kind of like dumb bro vibe to him too so like it's a sneaky smart because like you're so you mean and he's just like this dumb like 
stoner guy. And then you, and then he'll just like hit you with some quantum physics fast facts, and you're like, whoa. Wait, I, okay, I understand you're Mr. Chill guy, but like, there is something that you and I. I'm gonna answer this for you, okay? Because I think it's important. I think that other couples might have this. And it's not that we fight about this. It's just this thing I can't understand about you, okay? Jordan is a late person. I am an early person. Oh, yeah. No, we, we fight about this. It's like, it, But it's not on vacation. It's going to vacation. It counts. The second you leave your home for the trip, you're traveling. You know? but, but this fight happens before we leave the home. But it's, it's, it has to do with traveling. And it, also the tight connecting layovers. The whole thing is so crazy. I thought this was going to be a loophole. We would be able to get out of this fight. No, I I don't understand. I just don't understand, okay? I am an early person. I like, first of all, I like to leave time to, if there's, if you, sometimes you show up at the airport and there's a long line. Like, I remember one time, Brie and I were going to Costa Rica and it was like Wednesday, midnight flight. And we were like, no one's going to be at the airport. And I was like, yeah, well, let's just get there early. Cause she, she was like, let's just show up like an hour before. And I was like, it's international. Let's do like two and a half. And she was like, it, that's going to be great. We get there three and a half hours of lines because it was spring break. And all these fucking kids were going to Costa Rica for like their spring break, like nature trip or whatever. And I was like, this is why I leave time. I don't like to be stressed. If I'm going on vacation or I'm going traveling. Where like were you stuck? Where were you stuck? Where were you stuck? Did you have pre-check? Did you clear? I had pre-check, but we still had to get, we had to check our bags and we had to stand through those lines. Oh yeah. Right. Fair, and fair, like fair. still, even if pre, if you have See, I'm already stuff. negotiating. And Brie doesn't have pre-check. So I, she I'm and like I fighting to leave early yeah, for this past so vacation annoying. right now. Like, it's so annoying. <laughs> it's a reflex. Okay. So, so basically like, I just don't like the idea that, you know, I'm going to miss this trip I planned because of, you know, what am I going to do at home versus with the airport? Just look at my phone. So it's like I'd rather just be at my gate, relaxed, chill, have a coffee, have time to schmy around if I want to. I can be on my laptop. I, anything I'm doing at home, I can do there, okay? The airport, it's like a humongous build. It's like a multi-billion dollar building with filled with uncomfortable seats. Okay, but like... You know what's more uncomfortable? Missing your flight and having to deal with that. And then... But how many fl- how many flights have we missed? How you also... <laughs> stop. You also pick layovers that are like 37 minutes. Like, Jordan's idea of the perfect layover is we get off the plane, we are s- running, screaming, sweating, freaking out, last on the flight... And he'll go... That is at, the perfect... Lay- how, <laughs> how is that? How is... Like, look, you and get then, exercise... Without going to a gym, you basically spend zero time in some foreign ass airport, and you're like you're still going on your trip. It's min- minimum time. The, I don't the anxiety, the, the panic. Like, what if we miss it? Like, it's just not. I don't. Then you're at the to... airport that you love so much being at. I don't. It's wanna... a win-win for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want. Like, what? He'll look at me. Okay, there was one time where we got off the plane. We were running, running, sweating. I was looking at him and I was like, I'm going to fucking murder you. We get to, we get on, we're the last people. Wait, stop. I have to explain this. We're the last people on the flight. They're like, we barely made it. Like the people who are there, like we almost closed the doors and we're going to let you on. And Jordan looks at me and I'm in the fucking worst mood now because I'm like, just, I'm panicky. I'm tired, stressed, whatever. We've been traveling. And he looks at me and he goes, zero minute layover. The perfect layover. And I thought I was going to chop your balls off. I was so mad at you. Yeah, and your dream layover scenario is we had an extra hour to eat British beans. Like, what? No, the f- I just like don't. <laughs> <Did> Heathrow. <laughs> 
I just like don't want to worry. <laughs> like, what is it? Why do you want to like? Why do you want to spend time at the airport? But, like, why do you want to risk it? Is what I don't understand. Like knowing that any like there's delays. We just went through this in Montana where there's delays. We can miss our like whatever. Like yeah, why? We figured it out. It all worked out. <laughs> it's so. You're I grew so up and I've se- I've seen the craziest shit leaving like early <laughs> like when we would travel to Israel we'd have to drive an hour to get there we would then have to go through international lines before there was clear before there was pre-check and like we have to bring like a bunch of suitcases that we would all check in and we would leave and your family we would, always we has would, so we would much start shit. packing so much shit we would start packing that night like three in the morning leave at four get on our flight that was leaving to our flight that's leaving at six like i grew up in this i know it's chaos. and it, and it this works is, this is israel though. i was you no, before is, until i learned no this is israel this is it's chaotic crazy none of it makes any sense and yet it works that's cold that's the israel we were culture. leaving dc it's so crazy to me like my you want to hear what i my mom used to lie about what time the, the flight was leaving by three hours she used to say if we had an 8 a.m flight she'd say the flight was leaving at 5 a.m so, so because your mom three and get get like we have to get up like two leave by three get to the airport by four thinking we had oh great just an hour and no we'd have to wait for like seven thousand hours for the flight because she would always lie and then we caught on that she would lie about things so then she would add hours she would be like my mom would be like oh well it, now that they know that I lie about it she would just keep adding like 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever and I, at one point I was like we it said like a morning I thought we had a morning flight we had an evening flight like my mom was crazy so I have that end of the spectrum and you have the end of the spectrum that's, that's just like well if we miss our flight whatever yeah <laughs> Like who's who? Like we're, we're just we're, this is both parental trauma. Like what? Just because yours has beans at the airport no, means that like we should do that I one. I just Ugh. feel like why? No, I don't want to get there seven hours early. But I think like a comfortable couple hours. Couple you what? What's a couple hours to you? What is a couple hours to you? Like why does it matter? Why can't we just for for airports? My airports are literally lessened? designed to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I know, but like for my, but you know what's uncomfortable? Anxiety. You know what's uncomfortable? More money that you have to spend because you were irresponsible and didn't get there on time or didn't book the layover correctly. When what, did you that? know what else is uncomfortable? Being on the phone with airlines, they take seven thousand hours to pick up because you can't get a human. You know what else is uncomfortable? Like you know worrying you know you know missing maybe we have somewhere to be maybe we have somewhere to be maybe there's a wedding we got to get to and we're gonna miss it now because your ass could he, jordan will literally we'll have to leave for the airport and jordan i'm literally calling the uber and jordan will go oh i think i need to rearrange the fridge oh i think i need to do laundry wait can we wait i have to take a shit right now and it's gonna take me 45 minutes to get it out every single time we have to leave for the airport you decide now is the time i have to rearrange furniture in our apartment i love you so much this is the one thing everything else you're the perfect guy for me the perfect man i love you till the end of time however if you make me late for a flight ever again or if i miss a flight because you couldn't get your shit together it might be the end of us. I really, it might be. It might be the thing that breaks us because I can't live this way. It's trauma. It's traumatic for me. It'll never change, will it? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so next question. Now that we've established that you're from an Israeli immigrant family, what was that experience like living in America? You grew up outside D.C. I've mentioned this in the pod a thousand times. Jordan is from Maryland, outside D.C. What was it like growing up um, in an immigrant family? Uh, I mean, it was different. Like, in what way? I, I guess, like, the the place that I grew up, um, it was a small town outside of, like, D.C. It was, like, kind of in the sticks. It was, I mean, <clears throat> it's large relative to, like, more smaller rural towns. It was, like, 15,000 folks, but it was one of, like, the last 10 dry towns in the country. So, like, very heavy, like, Christian vibes, a lot of farmland. Like, it was at the very, like, just a few rings outside of the urban expanse of D.C., and um, I was one of the only Jews in, like, the area growing up. So I didn't really live near um, major synagogues or, like, large Jewish communities. And I was typically, like, in a lot of my friend groups, the only Jew. And so I was never really used to, like, until I went to college, I didn't really have, like, large pockets of friends that were also Jewish to kind of, like, share those things. Um, but not just Jewish-Israeli. There's, you know. Oh, well, definitely not Israeli. Did you have other immigrant kid like you had other friends with you know parents that were immigrants though some yeah but Did that was there a bond there because you both grew up with parents who were not american it depends where they were from i think i really connected with a lot of folks from the middle east too like interestingly enough like a lot of my friends in college uh and it like who i was really close with like were of middle eastern backgrounds but are typically like if you're out in the middle east polarized against each other one of my really good friends um he's is from, persian he's so from iran, from yeah. iran. Uh, but like the way that we both grew up, like, with our immigrant parents is so similar that, like, we actually had more similarities than most of the other folks they went to college with. And so, like, we shared that. That is so true. I feel like uh, Middle Eastern people in the U.S. might have, like, like there's so much cult- cultural similarity. I mean, yeah. But then the you go to the The food's the same. Middle- a lot of the tradition is similar. You just celebrate energy, different stuff on different days. Oh, the, the energy for the sure. The moms are the same. The, the yeah, da- yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 the family dynamics are similar. But then you go to the Middle East and it's like they're so divided. Yeah, exactly. And you're like supposed to be these enemies, but it's like you guys are cousins. Like yeah, exactly. they're so similar. It's kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy. That's really interesting. Um, what did it make you feel like othered at all? Or because it was DC, it was very international. D.C. was, like, far... Like, when you were in Damascus, it was far away. I mean, yeah, it was a 45-minute to an hour drive, but as, like, a little kid, and, like, you were in the sticks and, like, in the farmland, like, area. Like, didn't feel like you were really close to a city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I... Whenever I did feel othered, I kind of, like, played it for myself. Like, yeah, all right, cool. I'm the only one of this. But I didn't, like, take it as, like... It wasn't, like, a chip on my shoulder or anything. I just made do with what I was. Like, you turned it into a positive where it was like, yeah, isn't it cool that I'm the only Jew? Instead yeah. of being like, oh, how weird, I'm the only Jew. Yeah, exactly. So you guys went to Israel every summer, and you spent, like, a lot of time there, and that was very much, like, a second home for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, we would go out to Nazareth, and we would, like, I had a bunch of, like, friends over there. Like, some of my best friends, like, were, grew up there, um, and I would spend at least a month every summer out there. Like, everyone's so passionate in Israel, and, like... Everyone is like all like trying to help each other, but also trying to like get the best deal. Um, yeah, there's a lot of like fighting and then hugging right after. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the food is fantastic. Like that's one of like the the best parts. Like the communal dinners and like all of the traditional like meals and things like that. Like having folks together. Like like uh, 
cooking, like, and sitting outside, like, cause the weather is so perfect out there. Um, those are, like, some of, like, the special moments. I feel like the, like, the water in Israel is, like, some of the best water out there. It's super warm. It's, like, like, especially in Tel Aviv, like, you can go to the club and then go to the beach and, like, between, like, 15 minutes of each other, like, walking. And so, like, a lot of the time when I lived out there, we would be able to just, like, go to the club we then go on the beach, you'd smoke a few cigarettes or like joints or anything like that, and you'd just sit and like put your feet in the water, and then you'd sit up and watch the sunrise. I can't imagine you at a club. Hmm. Were you a club guy? That was there all there was in Israel. I mean, I do. I do, That's yeah, how I mean, people go out. Of yeah, there. it's different. It's not like clubs in the U.S. Clubs and people don't US, drink like that in Israel as much. They don't get hammered? I mean, they get hammered, but like not as many people. The places where people get hammered weren't really the clubs. It was, like, bomb shelter parties and stuff like that. Wait, what? What's a bomb shelter party? So, like, uh, in kibbutzes. Kibbutzes are, like, the small little communities that were, like, made up of, like, you'd have, like, some uh, economic factor that built out of town. So, like, oh, this kibbutz is around, like, a metalworking area. Or, oh, they have, like, a bunch of, like ranches or like i we i worked at this place there's like they have a petting zoo and a club um and they basically have a community that goes around that like promote well everyone works there and then they pay for everyone's home and all this other stuff it's like a little socialist yeah yeah it's like community. it was it's mini jew socialism um but uh <laughs> like uh the every key every like there's a lot of laws where every home since there were so many like missiles being fired like during a lot of the wars and like a lot of the terrorist attacks that New build homes had to have uh, at least one bomb shelter in it, and communities had to have their own, like, uh, set up bomb shelters. And basically, they didn't use them enough, and they'd be open to the community. And so every so often, a lot of the high school kids would be like, oh, dude, let's buy a bunch of vodka and, like, liquor, and we're going to throw a party in the bomb shelter. And they would have, like, a whole open house. Like, it's an open house that's always open. Like, if there aren't rockets firing... You can play beer pong and like <laughs> it's like a drink, basement party. Yeah, drink Sobieski in like some fucking like bomb shelter basement. It was that, great. That is so funny that it's like a basement party but a bomb shelter. Oh, it was fantastic. Those are the best parties. It hits different. Um, were you ever there in Israel when like the sirens went off and you had to go to the bomb? Shelters? Oh yeah, during I think it was like the either first or second Lebanon war, we had to go and like sit in bomb shelters uh twice i think I, at one place i was like a mile away from where the one of the bombs were being fired um yeah it was pretty surreal um have you received hate for being israeli because it's so controversial to a lot of people uh, i mean i get into very like polarizing arguments like with people sometimes i think the thing is people just don't really understand the history of it all i know and like that's it's not really a debate when you talk into like the history of it, and then you, people just talk circles. No, no one, no one talks about it. Looking to like, oh, you know what? That's like an interesting perspective. Like everyone's coming in charged. Right. No one's looking to actually learn anything. They're just kind of learn. They're right. just trying to yell at you about how you're a colonizer, piece of shit. Yeah, but like if you know enough, like they'll stop, and so like they don't get to the yelling. Interesting. Okay, are you ready to talk about crypto? Um. Because you're such a tech mogul, I want to talk to you about. So, what was, what did you do in crypto? I hate that I'm dating a crypto bro, but all right, all right, all right. I wasn't. I was in crypto at the very beginning. I was like, "Ooh, what's gonna happen? I don't know." Like, wait, maybe... what does that mean? Were you one of those people who were trying to explain Bitcoin to everyone? Oh yeah, that was it. They, it's like the the term was dinosaur whisperer. 
So what? Like, you would be able to take this complex, like, like, uh, topic about like, oh, trust me, dude, it's gonna change finance and everything. Were you like one of those people though, who's always trying to explain Bitcoin to people? I would explain like some parts of it. I but like oh, I was also the person who God. was explaining. Jarden, no. No, but it was like it was it was different. What I wanted to say was, you used to work in crypto. That is correct. What did you do in crypto? I was the head of business development for this early stage company that preloaded Bitcoin wallets and crypto wallets onto mobile phones in Africa and South America. And so basically, I'd be uh, Joe Schmo in Africa, and I'd buy a phone, and on it, I could already start buying and selling Bitcoin, like out of the box with my mobile minutes. And it was like... In partnerships with all the phone companies, they were super stoked because they get a little percentage of it. And it was really cool because there's this like big problem, even more so back at the time, where there's like really large populations of folks who are underbanked uh, or unbanked. So it's very common for us to have a bank account. But in Africa, in South America, there was like less prominence, less like reporting for folks to like get credit scores or anything like that. And so... If you started having a history of transactions that you made and things like that, you could start creating a credit score that you could then, like, there's a lot of bank, I can talk about finance for a while and it's going to be, like, awful. And then, like. Okay. I think people here just, like, started being, like, ew, because it just, it was a lot of white dudes explaining Bitcoin to girls that did not care or not want to know about it. But the benefit of crypto if you're not in the U.S., if you live in an unstable country where the gov- money can mean nothing, if you have money in a bank in an unstable country, your money could go to shit at any time. Depending on what currency it's like held in, yeah, for sure. So the benefit of, of crypto was to- For some cryptocurrencies, it was like the benefit was that you could maintain the value if it was like a stable coin. There weren't that many stable coins back in that period. The bigger benefit was you could- make transactions with people all across the world from just having a mobile phone okay Be- great so because this, this is 2018 this okay. is not like 2020 or like oh dude trust me like this fucking picture of a monkey is worth a million dollars like no, not any of that shit okay but i guess so we'll save that for a finance pod but the point is you you partied with a lot of crypto bros and i imagine crypto parties are wild because these are people who are like, fuck the rules, fuck the government. They're like anarchists who are just like, they're throwing, they have all the good drugs and they're throwing major parties. A large pocket of these people who ended up having a lot of crypto were just people who had a bunch of like, were like, there's this whole thing before the Silk Road, which was like, you go online, you send a little bit of Bitcoin, like, which back at the time was like cents, maybe a few dollars. And some dude would send you DMT in the mail. And like, <laughs> oh, that's fucking sweet. Um, and so there are a lot of people who are like, all right, well, I know I'm going to need a lot of DMT. Like, so I'm going to just keep a bunch of my cash already in Bitcoin just in case I can buy more DMT or fucking like backyard quaaludes or I don't know, whatever the hell they were trying to get. And then so cool. it just happened over time while they were holding it. It's like, oh, whoa. And then it shot up to like thousands of dollars and they become millionaires for just trying to buy DMT in the mail. That's like the sickest reason to become a millionaire. Oh, sweet. So These are tr- the coolest people. So then the, the, the crowd of people who are like the initial crypto people were like fun raver people. 
that was fun raver people. You had like some of the fuck the government people. You had some anarchists. You had a lot of like hedge fund bros. So like you'd see like, oh yeah, dude, I like was super risk on like and risk off for Bitcoin. And I just put a bunch of money in there and like now my hedge fund is like incredible. Um, so they know how to party is my point. Some of them. Okay. Now, when you were in crypto, did you go to cool parties? And if so, where well, that, and tell me everything. Well, that was kind of my job. Like my job was I would partner with blockchain companies to put their apps on our phone. And so my way to do that was I would go to a bunch of events and it would be like a whole like chain of events. And I'd go to one conference. Some dude would be like, hey, dude. If you like this conference, you'd love this mansion party in New York City next week. I'd be like, you know what? I think I would love that party. <laughs> so then I would go there, and then they'd be like, Jordan, this is a fucking sick mansion party in New York City. But you know what? You know, if you love this party, you know you'd love a castle party in France. I'm like, you know what? I think I would love that. And they'd go to the castle party in France, and we'd be there, and everyone would be like partying. I show up to this castle and like the first thing I see, like I, I get lost in dry, going through the French countryside and like we had to stop and like get directions from these French people who ended up just doing ecstasy. Like I didn't do it, but they were doing ecstasy mm-hmm. in rural France and then they point us in the right direction. I didn't know Rue Day meant road in France or French. And so <laughs> fuck me, right? Um, and we finally got on our way. The first thing I see when we get to the castle, some dude in a hooded cape, like Illuminati style, with a fucking torch walking in over a drawbridge. I'm like, yep, that's the place. And so we get there, and it was like three days of like a bunch of folks like talking about the future of money and a bunch of other stuff and getting drunk in bathtubs and uh, <laughs> a bunch of other things. Okay, and then... How did it lead you to that yacht party in Monaco? Well, then, because after the castle party, they were like, well, Jordan, if you like this castle party, you might love this four-story yacht party. This is like when Netflix recommend if you like this, like, cat documentary, you know what you would love? This Chris Rock special. So tell me about the yacht party, because I know it's kind of infamous. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like this big yacht party. I was like, I told my boss, I was like, dude, trust me. It's going to work out. And so I just... Just Didn't. very quickly, how many times a day do you think you looked at your boss when you worked in crypto and said, dude, trust me? A lot. Okay, great. Keep going. And it worked out a lot until the company died. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like, so I go to, like, Nice and get, like, a spot there because, like, I didn't even know which boat this was. I just, like, was like, you know what? Let's send it. You know what? I, I do like, man. I do like yacht parties, I think. Um so I sent it, went to Nice. Nice is right next to Monaco. Um, and it was a boat that was in Monaco. And Monaco has like a half moon open harbor or whatever. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I bet you I could just walk around and find out what boat it is. And like, I'll see the people that I know on it. So start at one end of the, uh, the harbor and walked all the way around with the other with the tall boy. Walked all the way around, got all the way to the end, and it was the final biggest yacht that was there, and it ended up being the place. I walked on board, and the guy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And he, like, like this deckhand stops me at, like, like as I'm walking up the gangway. Um, and my, I'm with a friend, and he's bugging out because he had no idea what was going on. He wasn't in France, and I had, like, met up with him in uh, Berlin before I went over there. And um, he was like, dude, I, this is sketchy. I don't know how this is going to work out, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
And so the ga- and he's bugging out as this guy stops us. And then he, the the deck hand just goes, shoes off, and they just let us on. And then we were just there for a while. I think a lot of folks threw like twenty five grand on it, and we're still remembered as like the two folks who just got in there and slept wait, on the you, couches. Wait, everybody else paid twenty five grand to go onto this yacht party in Monaco, and you just walked on. Yeah. How, they weren't checking. No. Uh, okay. Free love. Totally. What is the feel of a crypto party? Like the ones there were like, it was more intimate. Like you knew a lot of the people there. There was a lot of conversations about like what opportunities like were there, what you were excited about. Um, it's just like a party. It's a lot of great people. Like they're all really typically excited about like the space that they're working in. Um, it's probably a little over the top and lavish, but. What do you think is the future of technology and travel? And like where they can intersect? I mean, I think there's like three different areas. One, where you, how do you like figure out where you go? So like all like how people do recommendations, how people do booking, how like you do all like the like travel like locations and things like that as like the consumer. Um, the second one is like how you get there. So like we're like, I mean, we're at the fastest you can get anywhere. So like there's a lot of things that are coming out there like supersonic jets or things like that where it's like, oh, we'll get you to from New York to London in an hour or things like that. Um, or even like locally fast, like VTOL taxis, which is like vertical takeoff. So like instead of taking an Uber everywhere, you're going to get in some electric little bubble car that flies up like a helicopter and drops you around at a cheaper price than a helicopter would cost. Um, Wait, when's that happening? There's a lot of like... Uh, like, I think LA, LAX has, like, some contract with one of these VTOL companies to, like, do it around LA. Like, a lot of big cities are exploring it. I can just bubble boy around LA? It's, like, not a bubble, but it's, like, a pod, like a pod with helicopter wings-ish. I like it better if I got to bubble boy around LA. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> 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 so stupid. Okay, go ahead. Next, keep going. I, I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. It's not really much of a flow. This is a conversation. Okay, just finish. Um, <laughs> just <wanna laughs> I just Do you need a bubble boy a second? <laughs> I just, <laughs> just want to imagine. Like <laughs> okay, go ahead. You can keep bubble boying. I don't know why that tickled me so much. Um, And there's like how new travel destinations are developed. So like one thing that like... Remember that documentary that we watched where it's like, oh, don't go to the place where, like, they stick the elephants with, like, the spears or whatever to, like, train them? Huh? Like, the Thailand documentary where it's like, oh, like, it's like all these people are, like, training the tigers by, like, beating them with sticks and stuff like that. Oh, I can't watch stuff like that. It makes me so sad. Oh. I don't think that was me. I can't watch things like that. It makes me just want to die if I see an animal. I think you abused. fell asleep and then I kept on watching it. I can't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't watch things about animals being abused. Yeah, ab- you it, might have passed out. It, 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 well, it might have just shook me too much to my core that I simply could not yeah, stay in consciousness. You're a good girl. No, I understand. Because I'm what? You're a good girl. I'm a good girl. I love animals. I can't, I can't do it. I can't see them being hurt. It makes me, it just, it kills me. It kills me. Well, I think like the other part is like, so it's like how these new areas are developed, right? Like, Did you just call me a good girl? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, uh. That's <laughs> 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 keep going. 
So. Clearly, that's not our kink, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Our, it's not our. It's not our brand. Um, and then like uh, like so it's basically like uh, there's a lot of like places like areas where now travel bureaus and the folks that invest in stuff like for travel because like when somebody posts something on Instagram, a bajillion people show up and they're like, oh fuck, maybe I should have known that a bajillion people were gonna show up and like have two fucking lines instead of waiting for five hours to climb Machu Picchu or whatever. Um, and it allows folks to know what to invest in for next season, like of like the influx of new travelers. So they take in like social media data and they can figure out like how many people are going to go next or know why people are coming to visit their small like town and then be able to proactively build more things to support those types of people that are coming for that thing. Like maybe a small town in Maine, like has like some, white lobster or something and like all these like people come up and be like oh whoa that's a crazy white lobster like and then they're like oh well if it keeps going this way we're gonna need a whole white lobster museum and then the travel board puts money in there and they get another source of revenue for the government you're gonna be pulling in data from social media and like all these other foot traffic that oh, like okay. things to be able to say there's this many people walking around this area at this time. There's this many people posting about it. It's at this location. If we put these other things in there, we could potentially increase the amount of posts, which increase more people to be like, oh, dude, that white lobster is sick. Let's go check out the white lobster in random place, Maine. I don't know why I'm on this white lobster tip, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, Maybe I watched too much of that bleached coral documentary mixed with that fucking person on TikTok who's like, oh, yeah, she's a breeder. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, you guys have to say there's this one. I love it. There's this one TikTok account where it's just this hot fisherman guy who he picks up. He like he like what do you call it when you fish for lobster? Lob- is there like Lobstering? A w- it, is there like a word for it? Well, you call it, you, well in Maryland, cra- catching crabs is crabbing. All right, the lobster version of crabbing. And he'll pull it up and he'll be like, ah, well, he'll, it's She's got really, like a shitload of eggs. It's so gross. It looks so disgusting. Yeah, she's a breeder. <laughs> Let me <laughs> he clips her. And then he clips her to show other fishermen not to take the breeding mother. Because they're going to see the clips, not the thousands of eggs. Well, no, because sometimes she's she's already released her eggs. And so she's not actively egging. And th- so they need to know she has a potential of harvesting the eggs and then you know, so she's a mo- so she's a mommy, and they don't kill the mommies. Um, but it's so funny, and every time he shows the fucking eggs, I want to throw up. It's like the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life, but it's so entertaining. Anyway, yes, if there was a big lobster convention and everybody was going, you'd be able to track all that data. But I feel like everyone knows that. Like it's just like no, but these sh- but these these travel boards are slow. Like. They want to know where people are taking pictures. They want to know where people are walking. Like, they will know, like, if we build this here. Because, like, phone companies collect all this data, and they'll sell it. They won't They won't sell it that it's your data. They'll just say that people do walk here. And, like, companies, they have, like, foot traffic databases all online. And, the, like, there are companies that aggregate the foot traffic, the social media posting, like, the tags and everything, and they can figure out, like, how many people approximately were here or will be here and at what times of days. Like, okay, th- I know this isn't your jurisdiction in terms of tech, but do you think airplanes will ever stop being so awful? No, they're not incentivized to. Why? 
there was a study that was done by the University of Reno that um, customer satisfaction actually doesn't correlate to uh, like um, folks still using those those airlines because people feel like they deserve like will always go for the cheapest price. Like most buyers will go for the cheapest price. I mean, that's why like Spirit Airlines can literally murder somebody in cold blood right in front of you on, and you'll still still book it. That's not true. I don't even fly Spirit or Frontier. You don't, but most people do. Yeah, well, I don't because they literally murdered me from going on a plane once, and like, I'm good. I don't believe as that. much as I want to pay sixty dollars for I, two bags. I don't believe that they stopped you from getting a plane. I think you decided to rearrange furniture. Right before you were supposed to leave for the airport, you missed your flight and you blamed Spirit. But really, we all know, because of the beginning of this conversation, we all know that you're a little stinker when it comes to getting to the airport. Don't blame Spirit. You know what? And I haven't said this anywhere or to anybody. It's because I forgot to check in the night before and so they didn't save me a seat, but I blamed it on them forever. (laughs) And with that, I think we should wrap up this podcast. Jordan doesn't use social media. He's not on anything. You can't find him anywhere. So normally I would ask the guest, where can people find you? But because he works in security, he knows too much. And you can't find him anywhere. Except for maybe on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you send him a... Connect with me. (laughs) Yeah, connect with Jordan on LinkedIn. His name is Jordan Hill. Jordan, thanks for coming on the pod. I know this is probably not your favorite thing to do. Thank you so much for having me. I had a good time. Are you going to go to sleep now? You might be the first guest to ever be on the pod and then immediately go to sleep. Congratulations. See you next week on Globe Thoughting with Chelsea Frank.